Um, it's great to see you guys. Um, it's been nice to have just a little break over the last um, few weeks and kind of finish up the year with a holiday, which is really nice and, and nice to be back and have a fresh start. Um, I hope you guys had a really good um, Christmas Day and, and New Year's and sort of a good start to the year. And um, we just got a one-off message this today, this is just, um, just for this morning, and then next week we're going to start a new series and kind of get into the year. Um, but I sort of thought this, this is some great verses to dwell on to sort of set ourselves for the year, particularly kind of where we're at as a church. Um, had a lot, a lot of stuff happen last year, and, and this year we kind of got a fresh start. But at the same time, we're still in transition, really. We're still sort of seeking God for the new season. There's this belief that God is doing a work in the process of, of what's happening. Even um, next month, the elders are doing some work with a consultant and working through some things. So the likelihood is that there will be some changes, there'll be growth, and, and we're seeking God for what looks what, what He wants to do in this next new season. And I suppose, like we said last year, in, in times of transition, in times of uncertainty, in times of change, uh, there's a whole range of emotions and there's a whole range of challenges and the whole sorts of different problems and issues can come up. And on top of that as well, we also have an enemy who's at work and doesn't want what God wants to be done to be done. And Freddie spoke about that last week, about um, the enemy wanting to come against us and destroy our faith and, and see, make us cease being people who trust God and believe in God. And particularly in difficult times, that can be hard. But on top of faith, another thing that, that the enemy would like to um, have cease here and that um, could be, can, can be more difficult in a times of transition is love. This is a foundation that we are to be a community of love. And it's so important that we set ourselves at the start of the year that, that, that love is central, love is primary. And we're going to focus on, on these verses just to kind of set ourselves in that place. Because again, in the same way that the enemy would be happy if our faith disappeared, He'd be happy if the love here disappeared and people are just against each other and he can just sit back and relax. Whereas God's desire is that we grow in faith, that we grow in love, and that the, even the difficulties cause us to push deeper into him and grow more and more in those ways. So what I want to do today is, is just have a look at these verses, this idea of love, and kind of set ourselves for the year um, in, a, in a posture of love for each other. But it's kind of hard because when we say love... We mean so many different things. Like it's not a very good word in English. You've probably heard that said before. We just, we just use it in so many different ways that, that often don't really match the biblical definition of love at all. Like I can say I love Tam, my wife. I tell lots of people how much I love running. And lots of you guys probably know that I really love potatoes. And those three things are kind of a bit strange together with the same word. And when we say love, often we, we mean kind of it's more to do with desire, um, what we enjoy, um, or what we feel. But the biblical definition of love is not primarily about those things. It might include those things, but the biblical definition of love is really about willing and acting for the good of somebody else. So the biblical definition of love hopefully works with my wife, that I'm not just loving her and that I enjoy her and desire her, but actually working for her good. It doesn't really work with running and definitely doesn't work with potatoes. I, I love myself by eating potatoes. The potatoes don't really benefit very much at all. They just get consumed. Maybe it's like they fulfill their purpose, but that's about it. Like, I love other people by cooking potatoes for them, but, it, but it's, it's not... To say you will the good of potatoes doesn't really make sense at all. So these, these words, we kind of have to have some nuance 
around them. Dallas Willard defines love in the biblical way like this. He says, and what exactly is love? It is the will to good or benevolence. Benevolence is well-wishing. We love something or someone when we promote its good for its own sake. So when we're talking about love, we're actually talking about promoting, giving for the sake of someone else. And often, as we'll read, as we go through today, that this actually will cost us. It actually involves sacrifice and actually giving for the sake of someone else. And that will involve emotions and, and, and will involve desire, but it's not primarily those things. It's primarily actually an action or a posture towards others. So what I want to do is, is go through these verses, these amazing verses on love that we're just going to look basically at the first half of that passage that Tina read out. And there's so much depth in this and there's so much that we could just meditate on. And I kind of feel like we're just brushing the surface with some huge ideas and, and huge statements that John writes. Um, this, this One guy described John's letter, this is like a poetic sermon. He's just going around these ideas of who God is in this beautiful way. Uh, what I want to do is go through just mainly verses 7 to 12. If you've got a Bible, it'd be great to follow it along. Um, but I've got it up on the screen. And, and unpack what's John's encouragements for the people back then he was writing to to love each other. And how can he encourage us to love each other this year and set ourselves as a posture of love? So let's pray. And then we'll start looking at the text. So Father, we just thank you so much for who you are, God, that you are so much better than we would ever imagine you to be. Thank you for your word that, that reminds us of who you are. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you help us to hear um, you today and your word? And would you open our eyes and our hearts by your spirit to, to see you and to know you and to know your love? And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so John verse 7 says this. Dear friends, that can also be translated beloved. Like, like he's talking in a loving way to these people. Dear friends, beloved, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Again, it's so easy just to read those verses and not actually just stop and think about the, the gravity and the weight of them, particularly the phrase, he says it again later in this passage, that God is love. That, that, that is actually his encouragement. Why are we to love each other? The first reason he gives is because God is love. That at the centre of everything is a being who's characterised for all eternity by love. And is, I wonder if that's what we kind of naturally think of when you think of God. Like, like maybe for most people, that's not really what people necessarily think of. We kind of think of God perhaps as angry, or we think of God as distant, or we think of God as absent. But that God, fundamentally, who he is, is love. And even more specific than that is father. That he is father, a father who loves continually. And it's so important that, that when we think of God, we don't just take on board the, other, like the ideas that others might have of God that, that, that doesn't um, reflect Scripture. Because the scriptural idea of God 
is profound. It's that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. That God is three in one, an eternal community of love. And it's so important. It's not just like that's, that's just a weird Christian teaching, like we sort of just tick the box, yes, we believe in the Trinity. Like it's, it's like this is so important because for God to be love requires God to be more than just alone. If God, if there's no one else to love, then God can't be love. Because if God was just by himself, who was there to love? He would need to create someone in order to love. This, this guy, Michael Reeves, describes this. This is a little bit long, but I, I think it's worth it. I'll read through this. He gives an example. He says, Now, God could not be love if there were nobody to love. If God has just been alone forever, and there's no one else around, he could not be love. He could not be a father without a child. And yet it is not as if God created so that he could love someone. So we might say, well, for God to be loved, there has to be someone to love so that so therefore he created us to love. But that doesn't work either. He is love and does not need to create in order to be who he is. If he did, what a needy, lonely thing that would be. Poor old God would say. If he created us in order to be who he is, we would be giving life, him life. Again, he's sort of, it's a little bit wordy, but he's basically saying like, if, if, God, if for God to love, he needs us, then God is not love. In some ways, he's dependent on us. But the truth is, no, Father, Jesus calls God Father in John 17, 24. You loved me before the creation of the world. The eternal Son, it is he who is loved by the Father before the creation of the world. The Father then, is the father of the eternal son. And he finds his very identity, his fatherhood, in loving and giving out his life and being to the son. God is, is, is constantly giving life and love to his son. This is who he is. Father is that he generates and gives life. And God has been doing that forever. That, that's who he is. He's been eternally loving the son. The Son's been receiving it. The Spirit's been there. There's this like eternal community of love. That's actually who God is. And then out of that overflow of love, He creates us and He welcomes us into that. But that's who He is. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. So we're going to keep. So as we think of this, basically, then what John is saying is that for God, if God is love, if we know him, we will reflect him and be like him. You probably know this. It's like a fundamental truth of life that you often become like people that you know or people that you hang out with. If you spend lots of time with someone, you kind of end up taking on some of their mannerisms maybe or you start to like what they like. And I was even having a conversation with Tam the other week. She asked to go for a run with me. And it's like, Tam does not like running. And I said, you're becoming like me. And then... I've been watching lots of tennis, and I don't normally watch tennis. And she's like, well, you've been watching tennis. You're becoming like me. And, and it's this thing that when you hang out with people, they have an influence on you. And if God is fundamentally love, if that's who he is at his core, to know him is to be influenced by him, and therefore is to be people who grow in love. And John even says, if there's no evidence of us loving, then we don't really know him. We're not connected to him. 
Because if you're connected to him, if you know him, you will love. You'll be influenced by him. So we love first because God is love. He keeps going though. And then he says this, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We just took time to remember that as we took communion. That how does God love us? How has God shown his love for us? In that he's sent the one and only son, the one that he has loved for all eternity, to earth and to the cross to deal with our sin. That's how he demonstrates his love. Then John says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If we look at the cross and see just how great his love is for us and how he's loved us, the only right response is to respond in love to others. So we love because God loved us. God is love. And it's not just that that's who he is, but he has loved us in the most amazing and most clear and most powerful demonstration of his love. There's this great verse, um, one verse that really impacted me when I was a pretty sort of new Christian or really sort of getting serious about God in Romans 5 that just, just, just describes the greatness of this. I'll read it, Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person some might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not just that Christ died for us, but he died for us while we were sinners. We were his enemies. Like Michael just described, we had the stain of sin. We, there's nothing that, that commended us to God, but he loved us and he loved us by dying for us. That that's actually what he's like. That that is actually how he demonstrates his love is in the cross. When you look at the cross, you see the heart of God. And again, it shows this is not a love that's just, that's just like an absent or just a nice kind of, yeah, just do whatever you want, I love you. This is like a, a raw ruthless, passionate love that will go to death to rescue us. That, that, that's how much Jesus wills our good, that he would suffer on the cross for us. That, that's the kind of love he has. And then John's argument, that again, is that if that's how he loves us, that's how we're to love each other. He says this in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Or John 15, Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That that's actually the type of love we're talking about. Self-giving love that actually will involve cost and sacrifice for the sake of others. So we love because God loved us. Is, is that me making that noise? I don't know. I'll just keep going. I'm not sure. It's a bit of scratching noise up here. Um, so there's just a couple of points I want to make on, on this, this sort of second idea. We love because God loved us. The interesting thing is God loved us, not because we deserved it, not because of anything in us, 
but because of who He is. And in the same way, He calls us to love each other, not because of anything in each other, not because the other person deserves it, not because of anything in them, but because He loved us. Do you see the thing? It's, it's, love is generated in God, and God loves us, and therefore we love each other. So our love for each other is actually not dependent on each other. If, if the love for each other is dependent on each other, then you get this thing where you're like, well, I'll love them if they love me, or they're not really loving me, so I'm not going to love them, or they hurt me, so I can't love them. And, we, and then it's this sort of conditional dependent. But God's, what he's saying is actually, no, he loves us and calls us to love, and the response to that love is irrelevant. It's, it's that we love, we give. Not because there's someone who deserves, but Jesus even talks about loving enemies. That it's not, we don't have to look at someone and try to work up love for them or try and work up love for each other. It's no, God loved us and therefore we love each other. It's actually dependent on Him, not on each other. And in the same way, this love, and at the heart of Christianity, Jesus says we take up our cross that actually that's what he did. And that's actually in this world that, that doesn't know God, doesn't reflect God, to love in many ways involves the cross. That that's actually the way to love. It involves dying to self for the sake of others. And therefore love will involve sacrifice, will involve cost, will involve pain. But there's victory just like Jesus was risen. And, and this is so different, again, so much more deeper and profound than, than how we often understand love. But if, but if he calls us to that, if, if, if John is saying that if Christ laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's like the goal. That's the direction we go, which will involve sacrifice, which involve cost, which involve humility, which may involve bearing with each other and pain and difficulty. But that's the call. That's what he's done for us. He went to the cross. So we love because God loved us. Then he's got to build this amazing argument, but then it keeps going. And even this profound last verse in this, just this sort of section in verse 12. We love because he loved us. He is love. But then he says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So John is not just saying, God is love, so we love, or God has loved us, so we reflect him back. But he's saying something even more profound than that. He's actually saying we love because God's love is made complete in us. God's love is actually to continue and, in a sense, even mature in us. That's what that word complete kind of means. Now, this is profound. And, and the interesting thing is John is saying, he, he's got this phrase, no one has ever seen God. And he's used this before at the very start of the Gospel of John. It says this in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. So when people in the Old Testament sort of claim to have seen God, it's, it's normally the angel of the Lord, or it might be the spirit, or it's, it's, it's sort of a representation of God's glory, but they've not seen like the Father. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the start of the Gospel of John. John's point is, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. 
If you want to know what the Father's like, look at Jesus. It's not like the Father's up there and just sort of angry and the Son's different. Like, no, if the Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father, and the Son reveals the Father. So we can't see God, but we can see Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, you know what God is like. But then he uses that same phrase and says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That in the same way, maybe not in exactly the same way, but in a similar way, that the way that Jesus reveals God on the earth, we are also to reveal God on the earth through loving each other. That's amazing that his love does that work in us. And it's not just that we respond, but it's actually an outworking and it's actually revealing who God is through us. This is how John Stott describes it. That is the unseen God who once revealed himself in his son, now reveals himself in his people if and when they love one another. God's love is seen in their love because their love is his love imparted to them by his spirit. Saying actually we are to be a people who God lives in us by the spirit. And John later on says that if we believe Jesus is the son of God, then God lives in us. If we confess that he is Lord, if we believe him, we have his spirit and his spirit lives in us and therefore his love lives in us and his love is to be outworked among us so that the world knows who he is. That's amazing and profound. That actually it's, it, that there's a real purpose and a goal in us loving each other that God's work will continue on the earth. We love because God's love is made complete in us. And we talk about the idea as the church as the body of Christ. And we, we use that analogy, or Paul uses that analogy about there's all different members of the body of Christ and, and we kind of work together as a community and as a family. But in another sense, we are the body of Christ in the sense that we actually continue what Jesus started. That Jesus started a work to rescue, to redeem, to heal the world. And he finished it in the cross, but then he sent his spirit for it to continue and to spread over the whole world. And we actually are Jesus' body on the earth, filled with his spirit to continue it. And this is what um, right, this is how he describes it. What God, God launched decisively in Jesus, so God started to rescue the world in Jesus. He wants to complete in and through us. As Jesus unveiled God before a surprised and unready world, so must we. Love is that important. Again, this gives weight and gravity to loving each other, to to what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, to to God's mission in the earth and what he's doing, that actually he wants to work it out through our love, that it would actually reflect him. And it's powerful, a powerful call and, and, and shows just how important that is. So we're saying we love because God is love. Because God loved us and God's love is made complete in us. And again, the, the amazing, profound call. And, and there's probably two ways we can respond wrongly to this. One way we can respond to this is, is to say, whoa, I can't do that. Like, there's no way I can do that. Like, you, you think about my year last year and, and 
the, the lack of love and the, the fear or the selfishness, like, like I am so far from that. There's no way that that's, it's just way too high. Like lay down my life for my friends, like that's impossible. Like, and we sort of just think there's no way we can do that and just give up. And that'd be a wrong response. Another wrong response we could have is we say, okay, great, well, let's get to work. Like, I'm going to start loving people. This year is going to be the year of love, and I'm going to love everybody, and I'm going to sacrifice for everybody, and I'm going to give to everybody, and I'm just going to love everybody, and it's, it's probably going to last for like five minutes. Like, it's not going to work. Like, that's going to be a wrong response to this as well. And because both of those responses are focused on us, it's like, good, yes, God is love. God loved us. God's love's made complete. Good, okay, well, no, nah, I can't do that. Or, yes, I can do that, but, but no. And it's, we get stuck on self. Like, how are we going to do it? How are we going to make it work? And we and so easily kind of get pulled down to ourselves. But the whole point of this passage and this teaching is that it's not us. It's not our love. It's not our strength. It's not our power. It's Him. And actually, it's all about His love. It's that God is love. God's loved us, and even this love amongst us is not our love. It's God's love by the Spirit. So it's not about our effort. It's not about trying really hard. It's not about, well, we can never do that. It's actually about Him, what He's done, and what He wants to do. And then John describes this in the second half of this passage. He talks about the Spirit, giving us of His Spirit, but then he also talks about abiding or remaining in God. This is what he says in John 1. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Or ESV translates this with that word, abide. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That actually this is the response. The response is not self, I can't do it. Or self, I'm going to try really hard to do it. The response is God can do it. And as I stay connected to Him and in relationship with Him and in dependence on Him, He can work this kind of love into our lives, into our community. That, that this kind of love is impossible without God. That's what John says at the start. Love comes from God. Like we cannot do this. But God can. And our response is actually to be people who rest in Him, abide in Him, stay connected to Him and His love. And as we do that, we'll find that we grow in love. There's still a choice, like there's still a decision to love, but the decision is empowered, the strength to do it is by His presence, by being connected to Him. Jesus, so how do we do this? The thing to do is not to try hard, not to really work hard, but to abide in Him and His love, to lean back, to trust Him, to rest Him, in, to, to, to be connected to Jesus. And Jesus said this again. John he wrote this in, in his Gospel. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That we cannot do this without Him. Again, this doesn't say that we are to do nothing, like we are still to, to love. And John is still saying, let us love. It's still a command and encouragement to love. There's still a choice that needs to be made. But we cannot do it without Him. And fundamentally, the decision is the decision to abide, to trust, 
to depend on Him. And as we think like, wow, that's just such an amazing thing to love like that. Instead of letting us think, well, we can never do that. Or that we have to try really hard to do that. The thing to let it do is to say, well, we really need God. Like that is what He's called us to. We need Him. We need His Spirit. We have to trust and depend on Him. We cannot do that without Him. We cannot just run ahead without Him. We have to rest in Him so we can love each other. So as we sort of finish up for the week, as we just respond to that today, I guess it's just an opportunity to take a moment and to just really sort of posture our hearts primarily on who God is. Maybe just consider when you've been thinking about God recently, what have you been thinking? How do you kind of picture Him? What's the sort of idea you have of Him? And here's an opportunity to realize that He is a being of perfect love, perfect justice, perfect holiness, but perfect love. And He has demonstrated that in the cross and it takes some time to just picture that. And again, we sort of use the language of cross just so easily without really just thinking about the brutality of it and the suffering that was involved and just, the, 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 just that it's this weapon, of, this, this means of execution that Jesus went to. And realize that God is on this mission, that He's working out His plans in the world and He calls us to be on board. So again, we, we reposture ourselves on Him, not on us. It's not that we have to try hard. We look to Him who He is, and just make this decision this year that we will abide in Him, trust in Him, and pray that His love would grow in amongst us, particularly in transition, particularly in difficult times, that this would be a non-negotiable, that we are people who love each other as Jesus loved us. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing to to respond, and um, just, yeah, ask, ask you just post yourself before God in that way. So, Father, we just thank you that that you are Father. And it's such an easy thing to just say, but with the reality of that, would you make that aware to us by your Spirit? Thank you that that you are close, um, that you are good, um, that you have good for us, so much so that you go to the cross. And, Jesus, we just ask that we would be a community that's characterized by love, um, not by our own strengths, not just the love of the world, but the love that you have for us would we have for each other. And God, we just ask that you would just, yeah, reposture our hearts and our minds on you. Um, thank you for the fresh start of a new year. And God, would you just um, yeah, empower us as a community to, to live this way, God, and reveal you to the world. Um, so we just pray this in your name. Amen.